the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Queen Elizabeth II passes away after 70 years on the throne. And I couldn't have found a more charming, witty, wonderful lady. She was like your favorite granny. The DOJ appeals a decision to appoint a special master over documents taken from the Trump household in South Florida. They believe there could be more documents that they still don't have. A sanctuary city, Washington, D.C., declares a national emergency over illegal immigrants. Should be directing our vitriol towards Biden because he's the one that's opened our borders and encouraged this. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, September 9th. I'm Mike Scott. Queen Elizabeth II died peacefully Thursday at her Scottish estate. According to some reports, the Queen had been struggling with her health for almost a year. Last autumn, she had to pull out of a series of events because of what seemed to be problems with her mobility. Richard Meniards, a royal family expert, joined News Nation discussing the death of Queen Elizabeth and what is essentially the end of an era. I've been covering her for 45 years with the Daily Mail and the Daily Mirror in London, and I had the chance to meet her a number of times. And my last year in Britain before moving to New York was 1977, when it was the Queen's Silver Jubilee, celebrating 25 years on the British throne. And I traveled all around the country with her, her realm, as it were, to meet her subjects. And I couldn't have found a more charming, witty, wonderful lady. She was like your favorite granny. And uh, she will be missed by us all. Meniere says the royal family will have to change now with the times. I think the royal family has to change now. I mean, we've had the end of a most wonderful second Elizabethan era with the Queen's passing. And now we have the situation like Edward VII, Queen Victoria's son, at the turn of the last century, where Charles, as Charles III, will have a relatively short reign. And if the royal family continues after that, then Prince William who is now the Prince of Wales, will become King William V. And thankfully, William and Kate and their three children are enormously popular. Mm -hmm. So I think that with that in the future, the royal family's stability uh, in Britain will continue, but on a much trimmed-down basis, as Prince Charles or Prince uh, King Charles has said about it. He wants a much more trimmed-down monarchy, more in, in keeping uh, with the British public support of the monarchy. Miniards goes on to say that he believes the death of the Queen's husband last year definitely had an impact. I really do think the death of Prince Philip last year, a husband of 77 years at the age of 99, had enormous impact on her. And I think it's very fitting after the 10 days of mourning, that will be official mourning, and the state funeral at Westminster Abbey, and then she'll be interred in the crypt at St. George's Chapel at Windsor, right near the castle, where Philip is laying and has lain for a year. 
and she'll be meeting uh, her father and her mother yep. in the King George VI Chapel. Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, said the loss of Queen Elizabeth is the close of an era. The Queen is dead. Long live the King. The death of Queen Elizabeth II brings Britain's second Elizabethan age to an end. In the modern age, no monarch has been the equal of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II in dignity and long reign. The nation's outpouring of grief is not only for the loss of their queen, but for the loss of the truths and principles to which she had dedicated her long and historic reign. There will not be another like her at least for a very long time. Elizabeth was only 25 years old when she became queen in 1952. Her service was long, indeed the second longest of any known monarch in history. Her Christmas messages often revealed her explicit affirmation of Christian truth. She reigned through 15 British prime ministers. Her first was Winston Churchill, and she in herself was the continuity of government. Duty fell to her at such an early age, and she carried it so well for so long on behalf of so many. May God now guide Britain's new king, and his nation. Her son, King Charles III, said the death of his mother was a moment of great sadness for him and his family, and that her loss would be deeply felt around the world. The new king and his wife Camilla, now queen consort, returned to London Friday, where he is also expected to address the nation. On Thursday, Ukrainian forces surprised occupying Russians by pushing deep into enemy territory with their counterattack. According to reports from the scene, Ukrainian authorities announcing the liberation of 20 villages in the northeast outside Kharkiv, while continuing to fight for Kherson in the south. It comes as Secretary of State Antony Blinken paid an unannounced visit to Kiev on Thursday and announced the Biden administration ramped up more military aid to $2.8 billion to Ukraine and other European countries that may be threatened by Russia. The assistance is an effort to boost momentum in Ukraine's counteroffensive against Russia. President Joe Biden, Blinken, and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin all participated in meetings aimed at showing U.S. resolve to stand with Ukraine. Speaking to reporters before leaving Ukraine, Blinken says the U.S. and its allies are boosting Ukraine's defenses again. We're proud of the fact that our support, the support of so many other countries, is helping to enable what the Ukrainians are doing and working to liberate territory seized uh, by Russia in this aggression. Blinken says there is a key reason that he visited now. I thought, and President Biden thought it would be particularly meaningful to come at this time, as Ukraine is starting this counteroffensive uh, in the south, uh, also uh, in the east, um, early days, but uh, we're seeing real effectiveness on the ground. On Thursday, the Justice Department asserted in a court filing that documents seized from former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home last month are not his personal records, and he has no right to possess them. The filing is also an appeal to U.S. District Court Judge Eileen Cannon's ruling for a special master. In the court filing, the department also asked for a partial stay of Cannon's ruling, while the appeal is pending, saying the government and the public are irreparably injured when a criminal investigation of matters involving risks to national security are enjoined. 
The filing went on to allege that parts of Cannon's ruling would cause the most immediate and serious harm to the government and public, end quote. Dan Abrams of News Nation went on to explain the latest in the battle over the documents taken from Mar-a-Lago. The Justice Department has just filed a notice today to appeal a federal judge's ruling appointing a special master to review the documents seized in the FBI Mar-a-Lago search. The judge's order had put a pause on the DOJ's criminal investigation into former President Donald Trump, but the DOJ is now asking for a partial stay of the judge's ruling, basically asking her to reconsider while their appeal is pending. They want to be able to resume their investigation and to use the documents. Quote, the government and the public are irreparably injured when a criminal investigation of matters involving risks to national security is enjoined. Prosecutors say that even though the judge permitted an intelligence community review of the risk to national security to continue, they say they can't keep going with that either because the two investigations are intertwined. Abrams goes on to say that the DOJ seems to allege that the former president may yet have more classified records that were not taken from Mar-a-Lago. Quote, the application of the injunction to classified records would thus frustrate the government's ability to conduct an effective national security risk assessment and classification review and could preclude the government from taking necessary remedial steps in light of that review, risking irreparable harm to our national security and intelligence interests. The government saying it will gladly give back the non-classified records taken in the search, but it's adamant that Trump has no possible right to claim classified documents, which they argue are the sole property of the U.S. government. They also said the injunction could, quote, impede efforts to identify the existence of any additional classified records that are not being properly stored. That may be the biggest line in there. Abrams concludes by saying that, as of right now, it seems Judge Eileen Cannon seems to be taking the DOJ's filing seriously. That clearly suggests they believe there could be more documents that they still don't have. Now, there have been questions about whether the government would appeal at all. On the one hand, the judge's legal reasoning was flimsy, according to almost every legal analyst, conservative and liberal. But an appeal could also make the entire process take that much more time. So here the DOJ is trying to walk the line, asking the judge to reconsider her initial ruling just on what they can do while this whole issue about the special master is being sorted. And by asking the Trump team to respond by Monday, it's clear that at the least the judge is taking the motion seriously. The DOJ says if the judge does not agree to allow investigators to continue their work by next Thursday, then Justice Department officials will formally ask the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals to step in. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser has declared a public emergency over the number of illegal immigrants that have arrived and are still heading to her city. According to some reports, the nation's capital has seen around 9,500 illegal immigrants arrive since April, which has been enough to cause Bowser to declare... A public emergency. Uh, as you've heard me say a number of times, that we, regardless of the federal response, which 
I think has been lacking in some respects, that the District of Columbia would continue to work uh, with our partners to advance what we need uh, and to make sure that our systems in D.C. are not broken um, by a crisis that is certainly not of our making. According to the mayor's declaration, City Hall will spend 10 million taxpayer dollars for a new office of migrant services, providing support with reception, respite, meals, and temporary accommodations connected to resettlement services and translation services. Evan Lambert of News Nation says that Mayor Bowser calls the busing of migrants to her city a political stunt. The advocates have really been pushing the mayor here for months to help these asylum seekers. Today, she declared that public emergency, creating an office of migrant services, and that will initially cost $10 million. The first bus of migrants from Texas to D.C., that arrived on April 13th. News Nation exclusively documenting the journey for one of the latest buses to arrive here in the nation's capital. That was last week. The D.C. mayor saying this new office will meet migrants when they arrive, provide them with shelter, food, and resettlement services, and help them get to their final destinations. Mayor Bowser called this a humanitarian crisis, but also pointed the finger at Governors Greg Abbott of Texas and Arizona's Doug Ducey calling the buses to D.C. and other cities a, quote, political stunt. The governor's claiming they want sanctuary cities to see the nature of the overwhelmed southern border. So far, these states have sent nearly 9,400 migrants to D.C., at least 6,500 to New York City, and more than 260 to the city of Chicago. Lambert also says that while the D.C. mayor has asked for federal assistance, she has been denied. The D.C. mayor had asked the Pentagon for support from the National Guard twice in recent weeks. That request was denied. She says that she will be seeking reimbursement from FEMA. Also, Governor Abbott of Texas responding to the mayor's move today, saying in a statement in part, quote, the true emergency is on our nation's southern border, not in our nation's capital, where small Texas border towns are overrun and overwhelmed by hundreds of hundreds of migrants every day. Mark Morgan, former acting commissioner of the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Unit in the Trump administration, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that while the Biden administration is pouring money into the IRS, the southern border remains unsecured. Let's talk about the priorities. $80 billion, $80 billion for IRS for 87,000 more IRS agents. Meanwhile, our borders are wide open, negatively impacting every aspect of our nation's public safety, health, and national security. Look, this is what I would say if, if, if I could have three minutes with the president. Bring me back as commissioner. Give me $30 billion of that $80 billion. Give $40 billion to state and local law enforcement. You'll have, you'll have a secure border, a reduced crime, and you'll still have $10 billion left over to go after the taxpayers. You, you are so adamantly to do. Morgan says that illegal immigration is dangerous for American citizens. Illegal immigration is not a victimless crime. It's not overly complicated. As the cartels shove illegal aliens, it, it, you know, unprecedented numbers across, that draws border patrol resources to them. Border patrol agents are pulled off the front line, off their national security mission. They're relegated to administrative duty, hospital walk, transportation, and processing. That leaves large areas of border unsecured, wide open. The cartels literally have been handed operational control. Drugs are pouring in. 
killing uh, criminal aliens. National security threat, illegal aliens on the FBI's terror screening database are pointing in. And to your mention, among the gotaways, let, let me give you a stat. From 2011 to 2022, in yeah. Texas alone, yeah. 279,000 uh, uh, criminal illegal aliens committed 433,000 crimes, including 800 homicides, 800 kidnappings, and over 5,000 sexual assaults. That's just in the state of Texas. Morgan goes on to say that Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, like D.C.'s mayor, should direct their anger at the Biden administration. I mean, Lori Lightfoot, I think this incident has really showed her to be the joke that she is. I mean, yeah. If, yeah. if it wasn't so serious, it's a, it's a laughable. Her comments now about what's happening on the buses, it's an absolute joke. First of all, this administration for the last 19 months, they've been shipping illegal aliens to Chicago uh, for the last 19 months under the cover of darkness. And why? Because they're a sanctuary city, because right. she has supported the Biden administration to open border policy. Right. She has told right. the whole world, illegally enter and come to our city. We will protect you even though you're here illegally. You will be able to get free education, free health care. You're going to be able to work illegally. And as you uh, said, we will prevent yep. law enforcement in Chicago from lawfully supporting you. And then when Governor Abbott helps facilitate them to the sanctuary city, she complains about Governor Abbott when it really is she should be directing her vitriol towards Biden because he's the one that's opened our borders and have encouraged this. Morgan suggests that the House should use the power of the purse to force legislation to secure the southern border. House House has something very significant, the power of the purse. They have the budget, right? So they can do a lot to stop the bleeding, to stop this invasion. Mm. Look, Biden's still going to be in the White House. White House, he's still going to have the veto power. But they do have incredible power in the House. But it's going to take the Republicans to have political courage, will, and strength. And they have not shown it to this point. Remember, under President Trump, he had the White House, the House, and the Senate, and they still failed to pass a single piece of meaningful legislation that would have stopped 85% of what's happening now. So I'm a skeptic, but I can tell you, come January, if the Republicans don't do the right thing, Joe, I'm going to respectfully request to come back, and I'll start going after the Republicans as well. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy will unveil a four-part commitment to America in Pittsburgh on September 19 to tell voters why they should vote for Republicans, not just against Democrats, in November. Daybreak Insider's congressional correspondent Bernie Bennett has more from Capitol Hill. When the GOP introduced the contract with America in 1994, Republicans enjoyed massive wins that year and flipped control of the House and Senate. Leader McCarthy's plan will be much smaller. Axios reports that it aims to give Republicans a unified message to run on in the final stretch before November, saying what they're committed to. The platform includes an economy that is strong, focusing on inflation, a nation that is safe, looking at crime and immigration, a future that is free, giving attention to education, and a government that is accountable, including a pledge to ensure safe and fair elections. Bernie Bennett reporting. The last time the Federal Reserve faced inflation as high as it is now, it was the early 1980s. It jacked up interest rates to double-digit levels and, in the process, caused a deep recession and sharply higher unemployment. On Thursday, Chair Jerome Powell suggested that this time the Fed won't have to go nearly as far. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell says the Fed cannot allow high inflation to become entrenched like it did in the 1970s. We need to act now forthrightly, strongly, as we have been doing, and we need to keep at it until the job is done. 
to avoid that. We think we can avoid the, the kind of very high social costs that, that Paul Volcker and the Fed uh, had to bring into, into play in order to get inflation back down and set us up then for, for a long period of, of price stability. Powell says that there will be a price to pay for not acting aggressively now to tame inflation. The longer inflation remains well above target, the greater the risk that the public does begin to see higher inflation as the norm. And that has the capacity to really raise the costs of of getting inflation down. Powell says the Fed cannot let up the fight against inflation. History cautions strongly against prematurely loosening policy. I, I can assure you that my colleagues and I are strongly committed to to this project, and, and we will keep at it until the job is done. Even as battery costs are rising, car companies are rolling out more affordable electric vehicles. Correspondent Ed Donahue has a review of some of the new models coming online. The average price of an electric vehicle, according to Edmunds.com, is about $65,000. Chevrolet has announced a price for its Equinox electric small SUV. Around $30,000. Uh, it's, it's a price point for this vehicle in this segment that's unheard of as of right now. That is just a bit higher than the price of a top-selling gas SUV. Chevy Steve Majora says the Equinox may turn out to be sort of an icebreaker. GM may find it difficult to keep the Equinox price around $30,000 because prices for key components of batteries have been rising fast and some dealers have been marking up EVs beyond the automaker's sticker price because of high demand. I'm Ed Donahue. The Congressional Budget Office released an economic outlook on Wednesday saying high inflation will persist into next year likely causing the federal government to pay higher interest rates on its debt. The nonpartisan agency suggests that inflation will slow from current annual levels of 8.3%, yet it would still be dramatically above a long-term baseline of 2.3%. The 10-year estimates do contain positive news, as this year's annual budget deficit will be $118 billion lower than forecast last year. Still, the accumulated federal debt will likely continue to grow over the next decade to be equal to roughly 110% of U.S. gross domestic product. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says Republicans should not block the White House's emergency budget request. Ukraine needs more help. We want to give it to them. And on monkeypox and on COVID relief, we need to be prepared. We've always been prepared as a country. And it's disgraceful that Republicans are playing political games with this when the health of the nation is at stake. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says Republicans need to find out if the emergency request is actually needed. Ukraine is obviously a priority for most of us on both sides of the aisle. We'll have to see what they're requesting and how much of it is actually designed to help Ukraine wage the war. Police in suburban Washington, D.C. have solved one of the oldest police killing cold cases on record. Daybreak Insider's Bill Alexander has a look at this developing story. It happened 51 years ago in Montgomery County, Maryland, and now Larry David Smith, also known as Larry David Becker, is under arrest, charged with killing County Deputy Sheriff James Tappan Hall in 1971. 
Hall was working part-time security for a country club in October of 71 when he stumbled on a possible residential burglary in progress. The 53-year-old officer was discovered in the club's parking lot lying face down with a gunshot wound. Cold case detectives reviewed the evidence and everything pointed to Smith. Smith, who was arrested in New York, is now 71 years old. He waived his extradition and is expected to return to Maryland by the end of the week. I'm Bill Alexander in Washington. And finally, a team of scientists believe they have discovered two new super-Earth planets just 100 light-years away, and one may even be suitable for life. The planet, named GJ357D, is six times larger than Earth. It orbits a dwarf star with two other previously unknown planets. This potential super-Earth is located within the outer edge of its star's habitable zone, where it receives about the same amount of stellar energy as Mars does from the Sun. If this planet has a dense atmosphere, it could trap enough heat to allow for liquid water on its surface. NASA's Transitioning Exoplanet Survey Satellite, which is used for finding habitable planets, was responsible for the findings published in a journal of astronomy. Lisa Kaltenegger of the Carl Sagan Institute at Cornell says this is the first time scientists have been able to find a planet that may have conditions suitable for life. I think it's an amazing discovery. We have this small mission called TESS that's scanning the whole sky for the brightest and closest objects to find planets like ours, and this is the first one. Kaltenegger also says that while the super-Earth may be very large, there may be a chance for it to be warm enough for water to exist. You have a huge planet, basically a chubby cousin, if you will, then you'd expect there to be a lot of atmosphere, and that atmosphere, again, could capture that heat and make it warm enough for there to be liquid water. This new find comes just a few weeks after another group of scientists announced the discovery of an exoplanet, which seems to have the makings of a water world. The planet orbits a red dwarf star, which is also said to be about 100 light years away. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.